right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined as always with my co-hosts, Darian Smith and Jimmy Marion. And guys, unfortunately, UAB did uh, drop one in Dallas to SMU 72-69. to um, But before we get started on recapping that game, if you are not subscribed to our uh, YouTube channel, hit us up, YouTube at BlazerPod. If you're watching this right now, hit the like. Make sure you are subscribed you do, so you do not miss any future episodes of the Blazer Victory Podcast. But this game recap episode and all game recap episodes are brought to you by Cahaba Brewing Company. Um, guys, go down to the tap room, check them out, uh, go to a local supermarket and grab a six-pack, whether it's the uh, Okauba IPA, Pale Ale, Blonde, um, a lot of great core offerings from Cahaba Brewing Company. And they just uh, dropped a new edition of the Blonde, which is their staple beer. It's uh, the Blood Orange Blonde. So definitely go down to the tap room taste it i can't wait to get down there and try it out um i haven't been able to yet but hopefully this weekend i'll be able to drop by but again shout out to cahaba brewing company for sponsoring the blazer victory podcast and guys you know we've got to talk about this game at least for a little bit uab drops a tough one 72 to 69 at smu a game they led by as many as 12 points with i believe 10 minutes you know, remaining in the second half and just really SMU kind of took control of that ball game late. Um, but Jimmy, uh, you know, I'll throw it to you first. What were just your initial initial reaction uh, from this ball game? Well, my first thought was I'm really proud of how the team played largely in that second half, really the first 10 to 12 minutes of the second half. Uh, you referenced that 12-point lead. Admittedly, I felt fairly comfortable uh, when UAB was up 10 with about 10 minutes to go. Going into the game, it was not my expectation that UAB would win this contest. However, I thought that there was certainly a chance, and obviously I was rooting for that to happen. And, you know, listen, UAB led this game for over half of the contest against a solid team in SMU in a road environment where they had an announced attendance of over 5,600 people. So, I mean, this was a tough game tough you know competition tough crowd and they played largely well um and it was certainly a bummer that uab was not able to win this contest as you can probably sense in some of our uh, emotion as we start this episode today but for me big picture wise i did walk away from this contest feeling even more confident that uab can compete with really any team in the american athletic conference yeah, for sure. And Darian, I want to hear your just initial reaction. But I, I do think, Jimmy, that is a great you know, place to start, that you have to be proud of this team. Of course, you know, loss isn't good in any level. But, I mean, to go into a hostile environment to a really good SMU team and lead for the majority of the second half, uh, like you just mentioned, um, just, just kind of let it slip at the end. Um, but that's tough to do on the road, in conference, especially against a good ball club like SMU. Yeah, SMU. Uh, I liked I liked the game yesterday. Just overall, as a hoops fan, it was uh, it was just good basketball. Like the way they started out, both teams good defense, crisp rotations, communication was at a high level. It was just high level basketball. Nothing was easy, and I appreciate. I always appreciate the the mental aspect of the game. You know, it's one thing to have skills. 
into. I think I always think of Memphis, right? And I'm not taking a shot at Memphis or anything. I'm just talking about in comparison sake that uh, Memphis has a lot of rangy um, six eight, six seven physical athletes. Uh, they have shooters. They have Javon Quinterly. You know what he did at Alabama. They have all of the athletes in the in the in the high caliber ranking. But what SMU displayed yesterday was a, a next level and just discipline, just good coached up sound basketball, especially especially defensively. SMU did not have like a they didn't have an Eric Gaines. They didn't have a butter on their team, somebody that can just create. Right. Or a pure all out athlete. They didn't have um, when you think of FAU. FAU to me is like clearly the toughest team now because you think of Janelle LeBron Davis, right? Elijah Martin, like all of Victor Golden. You they have all of these guys. They have about six guys that can get you buckets, right? They can create on their own and they move around, they fly around. It's it's just really hard. I think they're the best team in conference, hand, no hands down right now. That's even including Charlotte, you know. Um but even if you think about Charlotte, Charlotte has those thick guards that can post you up and they can score. Everybody has some form of creation. I really don't think SMU have have. I still don't. But what SMU has is like elite discipline, right? It's like playing North Texas all over again at just a little faster pace. They have elite just communication. I just like that aspect of it. How can you? get this group of players. Have you ever seen in the NBA just role players, right? You got guys. I don't know if you got – I watch the NBA a lot, so I know a glut of role players. So, like, one guy is – like, Alex Caruso, he plays on the, the Bulls. He's a defensive dynamo. He's not a creator. He just impacts winning, right? He, it's like a team full of Tony Tonys. Imagine a team full of Tony Tonys and Trey Jemisons, you know? And with Trey – shout out to Trey just started for the Memphis Grizzlies the other day. In the, in the NBA game, um, but you see what being a role player, you see what that gets you. It gets you in the NBA because you can play a role, and that's what SMU is. A whole bunch of role players, but they find a way to get it done, man. They're scrappy. Um, I really like that team, and I think I think we took it to the next level. I think um, – can you guys hear me? Uh-oh, well, you went all green on us. Oh, you went green. I Darren went green. Is bleeding green. Hey, he bleeds <laughs> green, man. Yeah, I don't know what happened to your video, but it's like all green now. Green screen. Yeah, yeah, but it, that's just the blazer, the blazer pride in me. We're gonna take it for that. But all that to say is, you guys can still hear me good. So whatever. Yeah. Um, all that to say is that I, I really appreciate the brand of basketball that SMU brings because they don't have that creator, not one. And they just scrap for everything. And I think this can be a learning lesson for our team. Um, we have creators. We have all of that. But we still lack that next edge discipline that we need to be the team that we want to be. And so if we take this loss and turn it into a lesson, I think it will be the best lesson for us overall. If we play with that same edge SMU had, we had it for a portion of the game, but not four quarters. If we play with that same energy, man, I think we can really make some noise going forward. Hey, while we're on the topic of the SMU defense, I just wanted to talk a little bit about their strategy early in the game. I thought it was interesting that we've seen opponents 
um, double to send an extra defender at JV and Davis for the majority of the season. But I thought it was interesting that SMU was doubling the post, sending an extra defender at a Christian Coleman, at a Yaks. And I thought that early on, I'd have to go back and look to see the exact number, but I thought of those 10 first-half turnovers that quite a few of them were either A, when UAB was trying to, you know, enter the ball into the post, or, you know, when UAB was trying to get the ball out of the double team down low. And so I thought there were certainly, um, you know, some struggles, and there was a point of emphasis there. So, um, and speaking of turnovers, UAB, despite turning the ball over 10 times and in the second half largely protecting the basketball, I thought it was interesting that all five second-half turnovers by UAB occurred after the under-eight media timeout in the second half. And so when it got to 10 to 12 points, unfortunately, um, one of the reasons why that lead did not stick for UAB was turning the ball over. So when you look at UAB as a team statistically over the season, this game in particular, UAB unfortunately had more turnovers than what they averaged, and they turned SMU over less than what they typically force opponents to do. And so when you have that differential of minus eight in that particular category, that certainly is going to play a major factor. And then last thing, just as it relates to the SMU defense, when you look at the stats and see at one point during the broadcast they had shown, uh, I think it was around the under eight-minute timeout in the first half, that SMU was already credited with five blocks and five steals, so 10, I call it stocks total, uh, in the first half. And they ended with 20 combined blocks and steals in the ball game, which is certainly a season high that UAB has faced. And so SMU defense was good on paper. Uh, they really came after us early. UAB settled down, uh, but it was ultimately that last eight or so minute stretch in which UAB had too many turnovers. And that certainly contributed to why UAB was unable to hold on in this one. Definitely. And I, I do just want to say, you know, I know UAB ended the game. What was it? 12 turnovers? No, 15 turnovers. Sorry. Um, 10 of them was in the first half. And, and I feel like, you know, during during the game at halftime, you know, we I, I texted y'all in the text thread and I just. Yes, SMU is a really good defensive team, but I just felt like UAB was making too many extra passes um, and kind of passing up some pretty good shots, you know, and in AK's really adamant about taking quality shots. You know, he, they keep the staff keeps track of those uh, during the game. And th- there were a couple of looks, um, especially in the first half, that I felt like UAB passed up that they didn't need to pass up. Um, th- this this one play late in the game wasn't the reason why UAB lost, but that missed dunk by Yaks was a huge moment in the game, at least late. Um, you know, kind of got the crowd back into it. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's not why UAB lost, you know, you can go to those 15 turnovers, you know, you could see, uh, another late costly turnover when Coleman, uh, kind of lost the ball, lost his handle grip of the ball. Um, you, you can point to a lot of different things, but I, I do think, you know, I hate it for you. Cause I do think that was a big missed opportunity for, uh, UAB late in the game to, kind of extend that lead to a multiple possession, multiple uh, possession lead. Um, but I hate it for him. And, and again, reiterate, I'm not 
blaming yaks um you know hey people miss dunks all the time we've we've sure seen this team miss you know some dunks or layups and we've seen a lot of other teams do it everybody does it it just you know on the road you just you have to make those plays to to be able to win on the road especially in the american athletic conference i think against a team like smu with active they they were super active defensively like they hustle all over the floor. They they get they point they get their points by hustling, and and, and then it's hard for them to score in the half court. But it, it doesn't mean that they won't. They're just inconsistent at it. So the best bet is to not turn the ball over and just be decisive. But you have to hustle back against this team. They will. They take advantage of your mistakes. They're counter punchers. You know, if you limit your mistakes against this team and you have good shot creators. You're, I think you're in a good spot against them. I think it's a lesson to learn, especially at the fourth spot uh, with Yax and, and Christian Coleman. I think SMU did a good job of making them guys second guess. A lot of times I was tweeting about being decisive. We need to be more decisive. The thing I liked about Butter in this game was Butter was going to take the shot. If it was there, it was no, oh, let me pump fake and let me try to drive. I mean, we saw... We saw A.J. Vasquez do that a couple times, try to drive, try to get deeper in the lane, and he ended up getting himself in sticky situations. Uh, We saw Christian Coleman, when he was just pulling, when he was just taking the shot, he was good. But as soon as they start flashing a player here, throwing hands there, and then you've seen that extra pass, and a lot of times they got hands on the ball, or they forced an ugly shot, or... They they were just good at just being really really active, and then they were off. They it was they were off to the races trying to get some early offense right, um, and then they were very forceful. They just used whatever other skills they had uh, to win the game, and they did that all game. I tweeted that that SMU didn't change nothing. Like once we once they went up early, and then we came back and we went up twelve. They didn't change how they played. They kept playing with that same intensity level and it was it was us that couldn't maintain that level they made us indecisive again and i felt like butter into to a certain degree eric i think eric was very decisive with what he wanted to do and i appreciated that but i really think at that four spot i saw i saw jv and davis take some really good post-ups and he was decisive on getting to the rim and and putting up the shot at the fourth spot, we, 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 we depend on Yaks to kind of make plays. You know, he's good with passing. But in that game, I think the next evolution for him and for Christian Coleman is to say, okay, this is the flow of the game. This is how I need to play. I don't need to think about passing here and there. I need to go up strong with the ball, right? I need to go ahead and score. If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to pass, I need to pass. I don't need to second guess this and that because they're feasting off of that. And, um... You know, I think this can be a good lesson. I appreciate that game. I, I, it's kind of weird to come away walking away from a game like that. But that was just high-level basketball in all of the basketball sense. I'm not even mad because I think we will learn from it. I think that was a lesson that we needed. And fortunately, it was on the road. If we take that lesson we go back to Bartow with it, I like our chances against FAU. FAU is going to be a tough task. But if we play with the intensity that SMU just showed us, that we can obtain and that we can maintain. And we if we do that for four quarters and we have the players that we have, I like us against anybody. Yeah, well said, Darren. And, I mean, 
This team is so close. I mean, you, we just talked about it for 15 minutes. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities for UAB to kind of run away with this game. I mean, they had a 12-point lead in the second half. You go back a couple weeks ago at Charlotte, a 20-point lead in the second half. If UAB can just find a way to finish these games on the road, I mean, this, I mean, they're they're going to be prime ready come March for the AAC tournament in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I, one moment that our one thing I wanted to point out too, I, it, it was huge for you know when Eric Gaines got picked up that four foul, uh, you know, late in the second half and had to sit on the bench for a few minutes. I believe that's when you saw the Coleman turnover. Um, you saw a couple just kind of offensively look kind of awkward without, you know, Eric on the floor, um, kind of allowed SMU to creep back in and eventually take the lead um, late in the ball game. But, uh, Jimmy, were, were you going to say anything else in regards to SMU um, or, um, before we uh, preview FAU really quick? Yeah, there was just a couple of uh, other categories in which I thought contributed to the loss for UAB in this one. And we know how important, as an example, free throws are for this UAB basketball team. And uh, nine free throw makes tied a season low for UAB in this contest. UAB averages almost 18 made free throws per game. And the 11 free throw attempts for UAB was a season low. And so the inability, if you will, to get to the free throw line in this contest certainly played a fact a factor excuse me uab is actually 13 and 3 this season when they make more free throws than their opponent and that's compared to one in five uh when uab does not and uh, another specialty category that we know is very critical for uab success is points in the paint and uh, in this particular game uab was minus 12 in that category uh 28 to 40 overall for smu and again, when you look at the trends for UAB this season, UAB is nine and two when they win that particular category, and they're five and six when they do not. And I thought, um, finally, transition points, fast break points, if you will, um, was problematic for UAB in this contest, allowing SMU 14 to only having 10 for UAB. The 14 fast break points for SMU was four more uh, than UAB allows in uh, or I should say per game this season in a three-point game you know every point matters and I thought particularly um, UAB has shown some areas of opportunity in recent games specifically with transition defense so I think that's been um, an area of concern uh, whether it's making a three um, and then not getting back or just if it's the bigs that aren't necessarily hustling back and when you play a few teams like we did, whether it be a Charlotte or North Texas, that's not going to burn you as much. But then when you turn it around and you're facing competition like a Memphis or like an SMU that's going to get up and down like in a track meet, you know, we've got to adjust for those particular situations. Um, but, yeah, I just thought those were a few stats that certainly contributed. We turn the page. Those are going to continue to be categories that UAB is going to have to excel and win uh, for UAB to come out with the win. Definitely. And let's just go ahead and kind of jump into the game. Uh, this Thursday night, guys, I know UAB's coming off of a loss, but we still need as many people that can make it to Bartow Arena this Thursday night as possible. The game is tipping off at 8 o'clock um, for those that are planning on bar getting to Bartow. But if you can't, the game will be televised nationally on ESPN2. So yet another primetime national opportunity, uh, national televised opportunity for UAB in this program. And Jimmy, you know, you, you 
you said it before, you know, AK in the coaches show post game is clamoring for at least 6,6500 uh, attendance in Bartow. The guys still deserve it. I mean, just lo- lost a hell of a game to SMU, uh, but they, they're still playing really good, fun basketball. So if you can come on down to Bartow Arena this Thursday night and bring a friend or two. Um, can't wait for that. And, hey, we can't wait to get some revenge on FAU. I mean, this is a team that typically uh, it, it's really become a rivalry between these two programs. Um, outside of the last matchup, I really feel like every game that UAB and FAU play uh, is a close game. Um, you know, we can, we can kind of talk about the last game in Boca a few weeks ago. UAB fell 86 to 73. I know we hit on it a little bit um in a prior episode but you just can't let john l davis get going and you have to control gold in the seven foot russian center down low if those two guys are if if, if john l davis is getting whatever he wants um uab is going to be in trouble uh jimmy do you think can you remind listeners kind of what happened what john l davis did well on this last game at fau uh that uab lost a couple weeks ago Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like forever uh, ago that UAB played uh, on the road to FAU. It seems like we typically will start out um, conference season playing at um, FAU. And John L. Davis has kind of become somewhat of a um, kind of like a, a legend on the Blazer Victory podcast. Because uh, for those of you that recall the game, I guess it would have been in 2023, January that was almost John L. Davis's coming out party. What, what I recall about um, FAU and UAB from this season in Boca is really Yaks and, and John L. kind of you know going back and forth with one another. And, and I loved it, first and foremost. I think that Yaks is a kind of player that really um, benefits from, those, from that type of, of setting. And so I, I remember that. But... Unfortunately, what didn't John L. Davis do against UAB in this prior matchup? So, you know, John L. Davis went five of six from three, 10 of 16 from the field, 30 points. He had seven rebounds. Uh, I mean, the only thing that you could look at his uh, output and say that there was an area of opportunity would be turnovers. He led FAU with four turnovers in that particular matchup. But, I mean, he really did everything. Um he wasn't as active defensively, at least when you look at steals and blocks. But again, we know that John L. Davis is a box score stuffer and that he can do it all. And so I think it was actually early in, in the FAU game that there were switches specifically where R. J. V. and Davis was getting switched on to John L. Davis. And that's a recipe for disaster. And so I think that was actually, again, I'm going off memory here, was John L. Davis's first make of the game was a three when he got the switch. Uh, and then when you also are able to stretch the defense like that, he's able to take the bigs off the dribble. And so how does UAB stop that? That's going to be a tough task. I can't answer that question. But, you know, we've got to try to ensure that defensively we're not giving John L. Davis those, you know, nice matchup opportunities where he's getting matchups specifically against J.B. and Davis. I think Yaks obviously can move his feet some, and you get a guy like Coleman that can stay uh, hopefully in front of him. But if we're getting into switches and John L. Davis is being guarded by J.D. Davis, it's just not, you know, a good matchup for UAB. Yeah, um, 
Jimmy, do you know how many assists that um Janelle Davis had that game? Looking here, John L. Davis was only credited with two assists in that particular game. So if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking that maybe his weakness is playmaking. So if I if I do come up on that, they try to sit their screen with Victor Golden, I'm trapping. I'm not I'm not letting him go one on one. I think that probably was our problem. I'm gonna trap hard and he had four turnovers, so I'm gonna try to make him be a playmaker versus letting him score. Um, that's what I would do anyway. That's what I would try to do. And I would I would try to force him to be the point guard of the team because he obviously can score. I I think another thing is just besides Janelle Davis, I mean besides besides J D is it was a couple of times he got switched up on other players and he still I mean you think Yaks and you think Christian Coleman are big enough or they just got to be up to the task. I guard whoever's guarding them. They just got to be up to the task because he – I don't know, man. I remember I remember last year before he played UAB, he had modest stats. Like, he was not this, mm-hmm. this guy that he is now. Ever since he's played UAB, he's constantly become that guy. Like, every game afterwards, I swear it feels like it. I check it. I check the box score here and there from certain games, and John L. Davis is always doing his thing. I'm like, dang, he really did come out against us. Like, Jimmy was spot on with that. Um, I think he's an NBA player now, right? I think he's okay. a that guy. He's a pro. So, I would force him. I, I hey, John L. Davis, you're going to have to have 15 assists this game. You're not dropping 30. You're not dropping 30. That's just he, he, he can score. He can rebound. Can he play make? I don't know. He had four turnovers. Let's see if we can make him have seven turnovers to two assists. 15 points, and um, let's give ourselves a better chance. That's what I would try to do. Yeah, spot on both of you. I mean, and from what I'm gathering, too, we just need to disrupt FAU's rhythm offensively. Like, if they get going, especially with those guards, or if they're just dumbing it down to Golden and he, you know, has nobody on them, then UAB is going to be in trouble uh, this Thursday. But hopefully it'll be a good matchup again in Bartow Arena. Hopefully it'll be the same result as last year when FAU came down to uh, to Birmingham as UAB knocked off a ranked FAU last year. Um, so hopefully uh, good things will happen. But, hey, get down to Bartow this Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Uh, if you can't, it'll be televised on ESPN2, but we certainly hope that you can make it down there for a hopefully fun atmosphere in Bartow Arena again. And, hey, come on down to Iron City Wednesday night. You know, you, they're having uh, – Trent Dilfer and UAB football is having their 205 event on National Signing Day. It's at 615, I believe. Yeah, 615, looking at the press. Uh, but you can head in a little earlier and meet and greet with the coaches at 530. Um, hopefully, all three of us can make it out. Um, we will certainly try. Um, and definitely Thursday night in Bartow. Um, but, Jimmy, any – Darren, any final th- – oh, hey. Listeners, keep an eye out on the Patreon. I know it's been a while since we've done something on the Patreon, but National Signing Day is Wednesday. You know the Blazer Victory Podcast is going to do something on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash blazerpod, $5 a month gets you exclusive episodes and content every month, or you can join annually and save a 10% discount. Hey, John, side note, I think they already saw the news. We got a kicker. What's that? We got a kicker. (laughs) Hey, the Blazer victory text thread was lit yesterday when we found out we got the kicker from Hell City. And I hate- guess what? 
Guess what? In this huddle, he was kicking it through the end zone. Oh my gosh! Can he you was believe it? it? Through the end zone on kickoffs. Like, can someone like, remind me where the? Can somebody remind me where the team is automatically starting if the ball gets kicked into the end zone? I, I forgot what that rule is because we didn't see it a lot. Like what a touchback well, means. Hey, it ain't getting the 35-yard line like last year. 25-yard <laughs> line. Well, <yeah>. okay. <laughs> we were starting – like I, I feel like our average starting point was like at the 50, like for the other team. It was, it was like they were already was... in our territory. That's why I can halfway blame the defense. But come over to the, to the Patreon. We can have a good discussion about that so i think it's worth the sign up so we're gonna discuss with it looked like from the coaches tweets it looked like we got two or three more players to add on to this roster and i'm pretty sure they're waiting to sign a day to announce um i know we've been wondering monitoring some of those guys it look like some good guys so you know check it out check it out hey. we already got a good class check out what we got to say on the patreon if we get to 150 patrons then we'll have a charity event we're going to go out to uh, the field, and we're going to see which one of us can kick the ball the, fur- the furthest. Darian, John, and myself. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was the backup kicker in middle school. Oh, there you go. Start, start and center, backup kicker. <laughs> <laughs> What's the longest field goal you kick? Oh, I never kicked one in a game. <laughs> I was just a backup. In practice. Uh, 25. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> Extra point guru. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, exciting things to uh, come on the Patreon. Uh, shout out to Cahaba Brewing Company again. Go down to the tap room. Check out the uh, the new blonde, blood orange, or- blood orange blonde. Let us know what you think. I'm excited to hopefully get down there this weekend. But, Jimmy, go ahead and send us out until next time. Blazer Nation, just play. See you on Thursday. And Wednesday. And Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>